Welcome to another edition of the A-Sun Game Day podcast, the official podcast of A-Sun Football and A-Sun Sports. I'm Jordan Griffith, joined by the usual suspects, William Hall and Mike DeVader. We are back here at the office in Atlanta, also joined by Eric Hunt over here, Stan. Yeah, Eric's here, so yeah. I mean, normally he just he does his thing remotely, and we just, but today, yeah. we get to feel his presence in person. Yeah, I mean, a Thursday podcast here, all, all the other workers are here i mean yeah. you know it, this is a the energy is different yeah exactly it's been a while since we've been here mm-hmm. it's been a lot going on a lot going on i mean things are different and things are the same <laughs> i mean you know uh, what more can you ask for starting off the podcast with with riddles i like it yeah, yeah. I, 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 things I'm, are different but things are also the exact same i mean you know <laughs> well guys diving into football we had a crazy week last week and uh, a lot of implications for the AQ as well as a possible A-Sun championship berth or an A-Sun regular season title, I should say. So some of the scores that we had in our A-Sun analysis, starting off with Kennesaw State, the most maybe the most emphatic win over a ranked opponent last weekend. Kennesaw State winning 44-27 to over UT Martin in Martin, Tennessee against the Skyhawks. Eastern Kentucky with a 42-14 to win over Central Arkansas. I think maybe the most baffling game of last weekend then Austin P and North Alabama Austin P narrowly escaping that one although I think the score indicated it being a little closer than the game really was the last second touchdown there for North Alabama they went 38 to 35 over the line so uh, a few takeaways guys I'll go ahead and start uh, I think just listing off those scores just like we were talking about throughout the season and is maintained to be true this is such an unpredictable conference as soon as you think you have your front runner, then you have a game like Eastern Kentucky versus Central Arkansas, 42-14. to 14. I mean, I don't think anyone saw that one coming. No, because that's, that's part of my riddle. You know, things are different, <laughs> uh, but they're the same. I mean, the difference is obviously the last time we, we were on this podcast, Central Arkansas looked like they were nearly unbeatable. Um, they just, yeah. you know, and, and, and I'm not saying that to say that they're any worse. It's just – the, the thing saying the same part of my riddle is Eastern Kentucky. Uh, they've kind of been here. They maybe have been flying below the radar, but, I mean, if you you want to call the numbers Parker McKinney puts so week in, week out under the radar, then I guess possibly. But I think that that was kind of a statement that they're still here. And, you know, obviously looking at the standings and, and where things are right now, um, you know, Eastern Kentucky is in a, a great position to uh, be in the conversation of our, our, of our uh, A-Sun champion when, when all this is said and done. I mean, UCA still has the uh, best chance of being the sole uh, champion of the A-Sun in football this year. But, yep. you know, EKU, with that emphatic win, just put themselves in, don't, hey, don't forget about us. Well, I just think that we kind of spoke about this in the beginning of the year, and now these teams are all of a sudden playing that, the way that we thought they were going to play. Now we got two weeks left. A wonderful showing from KSU in the time of time that they needed it. But are these victories a little too late for them? I don't know what's going to happen, but KSU still has an opportunity. EKU dominant victory, 42-14, as we said. Nobody really saw that coming, but now EKU has put themselves in a position for a path to the title. And then Austin P coming back from double digits. Yes, the score was a little closer at the end. But, man, I'm still impressed with the playmakers that we have. The stars are shining bright uh, when the pressure's on, and the teams are really rising to the top that are able to handle that pressure 
of those situations, the teams that have been in pressure situations trying to get to a championship, you're seeing those in KSU and EKU with their experience in those situations and the results from the last couple weeks uh, really kind of pushes them to the forefront, uh, potentially what could come down to a, a title hunt here. But, man, I still got to throw in Shinderic Powell because that man is a monster. He had his team right in position against Austin P. 207 yards again. I mean, what can you say about him individually? You're absolutely right there, Mike. And going back to the EKU Central Arkansas game, this was, in my opinion, Eastern Kentucky's best performance all year, especially in the conference. Almost 500 yards of total offense. And, guys, what impressed me the most, third down efficiency, 8 for 13. That is 62%. They were able to extend important game-winning and game-changing drives. You also look at the balance of this offense. We know they can put the ball in the air, right? We talked about that the entire year. 253 net yards passing. 230 yards on the ground as well. So they were able to spread the ball around to a lot of guys. Joshua Carter with 120 yards off 13 carries. Sloan with 14 carries of his own. And you know Parker McKinney is going to be able to run the ball as well with 53 yards on the ground. And you get two interceptions in that game. That's going to change the game right there. 35 minutes of possession time. You get some turnovers. You have that balanced running attack. And you have these long drives. Again, 62% third down efficiency, that's going to win you a lot of ball games. Yep, yep. And you talk about, speaking of turnovers and interceptions, I mean, you five, Mike, this was this was the week where you should have had the, mm. your, your prediction about interceptions. <laughs> Kennesaw State goes up there and gets five picks. I, Who would have guessed? Yeah, I, you should have guessed. Well, I did challenge the cornerbacks, but it's a it's a week late. I mean, I, yeah. I mean, it's delayed. Delayed Mike DeVader effect is going on. <laughs> but that, that was amazing. I think the – the defense of Kennesaw State, uh, I think, is as obviously shocking as the the EKU um, victory was against UCA. I would almost say almost as shocking or maybe more. I, I don't think anybody expected Kennesaw State to do what they did against UC Martin, and, and that was a, a statement for for them as well. I, I was I couldn't sit back, but like, okay, they're they're not going away. <laughs> right. I mean. Number 15 in the nation, you go to UT Martin, a team that has only lost to really good teams this year, UT Martin, the Skyhawks. You get five picks like that, and, and really, you look at the box score, and UT Martin only made it close in the second quarter. They scored 24 points in that second quarter. Outside of that, they scored three points the entire rest of the game. Kennesaw State had that pick six from Gamble at the end. He had three interceptions in that game. DeAndre Morris and Mark Keith Montgomery, who is now the Kennesaw State sole leader for interceptions, he now has 10 in his career, they were able to yank the ball out of the air. And we challenged the secondary all year long. Yeah, they give up the big play. They've been prone to do that throughout the year. But then you have a performance like this that, I mean, single-handedly wins you a game. Five interceptions yeah. and your ability to take the ball away. You're going to win a ball game every single time you could do that, which is rare. Right. But again... That is kind of the tide changing a little bit, and that's one of my another one of my takeaways this week was could this be the resurgence of Kennesaw State? The record is obviously not great; they've struggled at times this year. Coming into the season as the highest ranked team in the preseason polls, this could be the game that gets them back on track. And you have two important ball games, must wins for Kennesaw State mm -hmm. with Austin P this week, and then EKU the following. This could be the resurgence in Kennesaw State. If things fall their way, they could be eligible to win the A-Sun title. It's going to take a lot, though, but a game like UT Martin, you beat a ranked opponent 44-27,
that's a huge confidence boost. Right, right, right back in the mix. Yeah. And speaking of Chance Gamble, that takes us into our Players of the Week. I know it kind of broke the seal on that one, but I think he's going to get a, a nod on this you, week. You think huh? so? I think so. Three, is that no, a bold, is that you a bold what? prediction? Yeah, yeah you, need, you need four next time. Oh, yeah. Three's not good enough. It's not. It's not, it's not. But three was good enough this week, obviously. Uh, so, yeah, talking about our Players of the Week, I guess we'll start there with our Defensive Player of the Week, Chance Gamble. First career defensive player of the week. The third time the Owls have taken home the honor. Matched the FCS season high and tied the KSU record with three interceptions in a huge win for Kennesaw State. Our offensive player of the week also came from KSU. Xavier Shepard got his first weekly honor. First ever for Kennesaw State. Accounted for five touchdowns in that upset of UT Martin. Rushed for 86 yards and three scores. It was his sixth career game with three rushing touchdowns. So, the Owls were on both sides of the ball were doing what was necessary on the road last week. Special teams player of the week came from Austin P. Jaden Lyles. His first career special teams player of the week honor. The third selection this week for the, I mean, this season for the Govs. He blocked a punt in the second quarter of that victory they had against North Alabama. And our freshman of the week, Kellen Stewart, also from the Govs, got his second freshman of the week honor for this season. That's the fifth Austin P. is taken home. He matched his career high with two catches in Austin P's win and racked up a personal best 81 receiving yards. So two owls, two govs, took home our weekly awards. And that's – is it a coincidence that that's our matchup we've got going into? I mean, they're coming off a good yeah. – win the weekly awards, you go head-to-head. There's a lot on the line for that game. It is. A I lot mean, that, on the line. The season, really, postseason, That's the postseason big. eligibility or the postseason hopes, the dreams that you've had all year, one of the two teams is going to walk away, and those dreams aren't going to be there after. Yeah. I mean, looking at the standings, I mean, whoever whoever loses that game, the ace on championship is pretty much out of reach. Right. So, I mean, that that's, like you said, there's a lot weighing on that game. And both both teams I, at the moment are, are they're playing some, some good balls, so that's, that's going to be an exciting game. Yeah, and they and they both have confidence coming into the matchup as well. But this is, I think, what we all thought Kennesaw State was going to be to start the year. They struggled, but that's where I'm worried about the remaining schedule. Not enough games, not enough time for Kennesaw. But the confidence is something that they can really take advantage of because that changes your team. When you're confident on both sides of the ball and you're getting coming off five interceptions, now you're playing a team in Austin P that is going to throw it all over the yard. You know those defensive backs are the – most egomaniacs on the field, so they know they're gonna. <laughs> they know now that they're gonna have five more this week. So I'm I'm excited to see that as well because that matchup is is literally gonna knock somebody out. So it's it's gonna be exciting to watch. Well, you guys mentioned one of the games this upcoming week, and we have a few more to talk about. Kennesaw State Austin P. That's a 1 p.m. kick this Saturday, November 12th. Uh, this Saturday, you're listening to this podcast here on Saturday, so that's a 1 p.m. kick. EKU Jacksonville State, 2 p.m. Central Arkansas, Stephen F. Austin. Very funny how that's going to work out with the A-Sun Whack Alliance here. That's a 5 p.m. kick. And then North Alabama and Tennessee Tech, also a 5 p.m. kick here on this Saturday. So, guys, looking at, I mean, we might as well keep it on the Kennesaw State game right now. For me, looking at this one, that five-interception game last week is going to play, going to pay dividends, excuse me, this week for Austin P because I don't think they're actually going to put the ball in the air as much as we think. I think Austin P is going to rush the ball more than what we think they usually do. I mean, you look at 202 yards per game for the Govs on the ground. They have such a potent 
attack. I know we've talked about Mike DeLillo quite a bit this year, but C.J. Evans is an, also a running back that people have got to keep their eye on. But it's not going to be easy. Kennesaw State has one of the best rushing defenses in the nation with 114 yards allowed per game. That's 21st in the FCS. And you know, Kennesaw State obviously likes to run the ball, running the spread option. You know, Coach Bohannon has since he has started that program at Kennesaw State. But then on the other side, Austin P has the ability to stuff the run as well. They're even better against the run. 110 yards per game. That's 16th in the FCS. So as much as we like to talk about the interceptions last week that Kennesaw State had, we like to talk about Mike DeLillo. It's going to be about who can get more rushing yards in this game. Time of possession is going to be at a dire need for both of these teams, I think, coming into this one. And it might be that one turnover, that one fumble that might go against the team there at the end of the game. It's going to be one of those where it comes down to the last possession. Kennesaw State, Austin P. who wants it more? Because the loser, the, their chances are pretty much none after this loss. And I actually think your point right there actually goes against Kennesaw State twice. Because I think looking at this game, they are the better rushing, rushing team. They want to run the ball a little more. But they also put the ball... Uh, with their style of offense in jeopardy more times than maybe Austin P will. Right. So it could be a double-edged sword for Kennesaw State because they want to control the clock, get down there and score on a nine-minute drive. That would be wonderful. But with the style of play that they have, they're also putting that ball in jeopardy quite a bit. Yeah, you, you, you're exactly right. But they can also show the ability to throw the ball. This is now Xavier Shepard's team took over the team just a few weeks ago and looks like it'll probably be his throughout the year as he continues to play well and get better almost every single week I believe he had 130 passing yards a couple of touchdowns last week I mean they can put the ball in the air so I'm very interested to see how this matchup is going to work it's strength versus strength but Mike you certainly make a good point there Kennesaw State maybe that one lost pitch that could lose you a game but Kennesaw State also in the secondary you get Chance Campbell to take another one away Marquise Montgomery that could win you a game so it really might come down to that extra turnover that's probably one of the greatest names for a defensive back that I've ever Chance heard. Gamble? Yeah, like, you know, this, I'm, just, I'm yeah. just saying, it's just it's right there. Central Arkansas has a guy named T.D. Williams. He scored a touchdown yeah, this year. Right. That's, a, that's another good one. That's, that's Even a, though he should be a wide receiver. Yeah. yeah That'd be yeah, better, yeah, yeah. but still still pretty good. But Chance, Chance Gamble, Gamble, yes. Man, I just, So you're saying he's going to jump routes and take a risk, right? No, you're taking the risk. Throwing his way, <laughs> and he's taking a gamble because he's going to go intercept it. Sure. The chance and the gamble is all on you. The, right. ch the chance and the gamble. Oh, there you go. Both. Yeah. Okay. Both. Snake <laughs> eyes. All right, moving on to our next game, Mike. We'll kick it to you, North Alabama, Tennessee Tech. All right, so looking at North Alabama taking on Tennessee Tech at home, the Lions come in one and eight. Unfortunately, they're trying to break a seven loss streak with seven in a row. Uh, the Golden Eagles coming out of OVC are three and six, but they've won two straight over Eastern Illinois and Lindenwood. Actually, the Lions uh, haven't played uh, Tennessee Tech since 1959. They do, however, trail the series four, two, and one. So diving into this matchup a little more, the Lions have had a tough season, but they continue to fight and claw in every game that they've played, especially in A-Sun competition, with three close losses recently. Uh, within six points at KSU by six, three points at EKU, and most recently three points versus Austin P. But they continue to put up points at 31.9 per game, 32nd in the country, 405.2 yards at 37th. Uh, 
and they run the ball like crazy, 196.1, which is in the top 25 at 23rd in the nation. Shandarik Powell, I don't know how many times we've got to say it, but I guess until people listen, we will continue to say that he is an absolute stud. Second leading rusher in the nation, 1,322 yards at 146.9 per game as well, which is second in the country. Uh, the Golden Eagles, as a team, total offense, 392.1, 51st in the nation. They like to run the ball as well. They're pretty successful in the top 50, 165.1, which is 44th. And they have a scoring offense, which is only 23.4 and 77th in the country. So I think uh, UNA can take advantage there with some of their defensive pressures. But they're also going to score on this team because Tennessee Tech, 89th in the country at 33.4 points given up so looking at this matchup on paper it looks like una potentially could get that victory trying to snap that seven loss lose or seven game losing streak that they have but they played tough they probably could be one of the hardest matchups with their rushing attack and tennessee tech maybe going to have another tough time Derek powell 200 yards in all three of their home matchups that he's had this year so looking forward to seeing what they do on both sides of the ball, and I'm hopeful that UNA is able to pull this one out. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I think you laid it out there. Sundari Powell is, is uh, keeping that team in games. Um, I'm, I'm ready to see them start to actually, you know, these games that they're close in, they're 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 in every game, um, and Finish. I think he, he's keeping them in there. So it's just when they're going to start putting together the the wins to go with the performances that he's having. I mean, like you said, he's he's leading the nation in. Russian touchdown, so he's obviously a force that you have to account for. Um, they just it, – they need a little bit more, obviously, to, to turn that performance and add some more to that, to turn that into wins. But, I mean, you've laid it out there. That's it's a game that they – you know, them winning this game shouldn't be unexpected. So, yeah. I'm looking for a good performance from the Lions, Jordan. I know you are. I know – You know is, I am. I know you are. And listen, when you go in a new direction with a head coach midseason, Ryan Held now at the helm – for the Lions the rest of the way. Like you said, 1-8, 0-5 in the A-Sun. But, man, I know I, be, I I say it every week, that record could be so different, mm -hmm. so different late in games. The defense has certainly struggled. You look at the rankings, pretty much 100th and maybe even worse. I mean, rushing defense, 120, and then passing defense, 98th, nearly the 100 mark there. But Tennessee Tech, you, you mentioned it as well, Mike. Look at the rushing defense for them. 100th in the nation. They give up almost 200 yards rushing per game. Who's the one team you don't want to face in the FCS right now with one guy you don't want to face in the FCS? Yeah. Shinderick Powell. Yeah. That is a beautiful matchup for North Alabama. The defense has got to step up big because Tennessee Tech is a team early in the year struggled mightily. But they're starting to put some things together now at 2-3. and three. They're a team that's actually on the rise, believe it or not. North Alabama, a team that I think can beat as well. You know I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with the Lions here. I think that they're going to put up some points, as they always do. And, guys, another standout guy that I, I think we have to mention as well, Demarcus Lacey is a freshman that has been superb for the Lions. Two receptions, 34 yards with a touchdown last week. And then he also had four rushes for 22 yards as well. And him – in tandem with Cortez Hall, Takari Kennebrew, the freshman quarterback Noah Walters, the sophomore running back Derek Powell. This is an offense built for, I mean, going scorched earth on defenses. The mm. defense hasn't held up its end of the bargain. I think they're going to do that against Tennessee Tech this week. Another 200 yards? So how many yards does he need? 
to catch him. 245. 245 puts him where he's at now. So, exactly. are they playing this week? No, they're off. Well, I mean, there we go. Yeah. 250, there's your bold prediction. So mine, you know, 250, mine, he's the leading rusher in the nation. Assuming nobody else close has another, you know, I don't know where everybody correct. else stands. Correct. So Monmouth, Monmouth has a bye. They play Stony Brook next week on the 19th. So they're off. So they don't play today on the 12th. Okay. So they play the 19th. Potentially, it could be a head-to-head battle there for the rushing. So title we'll assume nobody else is in this conversation between where Powell is and, and Mama's <laughs> runner. We're gonna take, take everybody else out. Yeah, we're no, only a Sun guys. Yeah, no, uh, yeah nobody yeah. else has a good game. If he gets two fifty, right. here we go. I'm adjusting the bold prediction here. Shinderick Powell, after this game, will be the leading rusher in the FCS. There we go. I'm up, I'm up in it. I, that's, the, that's the Jordan I like to see. Right. This is the optimist. That's and the Jordan that they like to see. Everybody who's watching this podcast yeah. loves to see that Jordan. <laughs> that's exactly right. He's bold and daring, right there. Bold and daring. He's going to be the leading rusher after this week. So that that's my bold prediction. All right, going over to Central Arkansas versus Stephen F. Austin, William. Um, this obviously is a, a a big game for postseason postseason positioning. Um, similar to the the Austin P KSU game, Jordan, that you talked about earlier, I think this is really a a strength versus strength type of game. I mean, you look at the you look at the the offenses, 430 yards per game from UCA, 434 per game for Stephen F. Austin. I mean, they're pretty much even scoring. Leans a little bit more in the way of Stephen F. Austin. They're averaging closer to 38 points per game. UCA is at 33. So you know, overall, I think this is a I think this is a game where we get the offensive fireworks that we, you know, we've kind of sometimes we look at games and we're like, oh, this is the one where the scoring happens. I mean, but at the same time, UCA's defense is solid. I mean, they yes. they've, they've got our leading tackler is on UCA, so I don't I don't think that it's a it might not be as high scoring as the numbers are showing that these offenses are putting up. They probably won't put those numbers up against each other. Should be a good game. UCA had won eight straight in this all time series until they they fell at home uh, 27-14 last season, but again. Despite the loss to EKU and, you know, the struggles that they had, UCA is still one of our best teams, if not the best. They have they did have a bad week and, and this game is a chance to, to I guess kind of right the ship going into this game and, and obviously the matchup, the big matchup with Jacksonville State to close the season. And, you know, as I mentioned before, this win for UCA is a win for the A Sun in that power rankings tiebreaker that yep. could be used potentially to figure out the AQ between the A-Sun and the WAC. So giving Stephen F. Austin a, a loss is definitely going to help our cause of being a, to secure that AQ with, which, with whichever team we're putting up to see against the, the best WAC team. Um, we need that. So I, I'm I'm thinking this is a game that UCA will, will bounce back in, and I, I think they'll pull it off. It's a gigantic game for UCA and for the A-Sun. You said a, a lot there, William. I think something that stands out to me in this matchup is the special teams unit. Mm-hmm. Central Arkansas is known for returning a kick or a punt pretty much almost every single game, it feels like. But they only do it against A-Sun teams also at the same time. <laughs> Are they going to do it against Stephen F. Austin, Gerard Barnes, their punt returner, and kickoff returner Christian Richmond. I'm very interested to see if they can get the game involved and put Central Arkansas in some good field position. And with a A-Sun whack matchup like this, the implications are so ginormous for the entire conference. And Central Arkansas, I mean, they're really hard to judge at this point because you have the game last week against Eastern Kentucky, and you also have uh, a couple other instances like Lindenwood where you're like, well, I'm not exactly sure. Mm-hmm. But then you have Kennesaw State, 
what I mean, just hammered them. <laughs> Can they Austin beat Ken, Austin P. Yeah. They be and they had a, a couple returns there too. Yeah. I mean, they are they can be so brilliant at times and look so unbeatable at times. And in some games, you know, I'm not exactly sure what happens, but regardless, the talent is there. Central Arkansas has the talent to be in a legitimate playoff team. Got to win a game like this against Stephen F. Austin. Also, help out the other other A Sun teams a little bit. You know, they need a boost too. Everybody, everybody wins if you win. Everybody wins if you win. Everybody wins if you win. That's amazing. There you go. And, and there is hell. Speaking of their weapons, you know, seventy-two yards away from a thousand yards on the season for the second year in a row. Obviously, he's our reigning freshman of the year. So he's been terrific. I, I think that that's they've got the weapons on both sides of the ball. So I don't think I think the surprise comes as you said more so when you see the UCA team that doesn't look like what we expect. It's like you know, what's going on when they're going to kick it into gear because for the, the the sample size we've had, the majority of the time, they're dominant. Mm-hmm. If we get that team, they better be bare aware. Lumberjacks better be bare aware. Uh, that's, that's when Central Arkansas is on top of their game, yeah, look out. Yeah. All right, Mike, that takes us to our standout stat. What stood out to you this past weekend? Okay, so looking how everything is coming down in the A-Sun – these last couple of weeks, the race getting down to the wire. So late game heroics could play a role in the outcomes in some of these games. So nothing is more pressure situation like than a fourth down conversion rate when the time when the time is in need, try to get that first down or that touchdown, trying to get the A Sun championship. So we're gonna look at fourth down conversions and our range of teams is from fifty eight percent to thirty three percent. Kennesaw State is first in the conference at 14 to 24. EKU has only gone for it on fourth down six times, and they're two of six, 33%. So putting it all together, 50 of 101, 49.50% success rate on fourth downs, which would equalize a team to 56th in the FCS. But I think fourth down conversion rate, when, when you have to go for it, when the season is on the line, this type of stat and those familiar with fourth downs and getting those plays on the field, trying to go through those situations, could play a big role because teams that are used to going for it, they might be in a situation where they're excited to go for this, try to win the game on a fourth down. But maybe EKU has to go for it more often than they have been because they're trying to win the championship. Two of six, man, that, that's, that's, that's a hard stat to get over because – Maybe they're not used to those situations because obviously they haven't been in fourth down very much. But what type of role does it play on the field but also mentally when you have to make those plays when it counts on fourth down? I like that a lot there, Mike. And I mean, you go down to it, look around the A-Sun and all of these teams' offenses. How confident do you feel that you're going to stop them four times? I mean, look at Central Arkansas. We know what they have with – Kylan James, Darius Hale, you have Richmond out there as well with Barnes, Will McElvain, Parker McKinney, you have Dak Allen, you have Xavier Shepard, and if Kennesaw State's going for it, they're probably at fourth and one at that point. <laughs> and then you look at North Alabama, Noah Walters, and Derek Powell. I mean, there's so many guys that are hard to stop. And that standout stat brings us into our A-Sun game of the week. Here on the other side of the break, we'll talk about Eastern Kentucky versus Jacksonville State.
Welcome back to the A-Sun Game Day podcast. Jordan Griffith, William Hall, Mike DeVader, Eric Hunt. Guys, our A-Sun Game of the Week, Eastern Kentucky versus Jacksonville State. Uh, if you want to look at their records, these two teams are behemoths. Eastern Kentucky coming off maybe their most emphatic win last week, and Jacksonville State has just been a tank all year long. First, before before we get any input, I mean, Eric, you're just gonna you're just gonna be here and just not give us anything. You did get introduced again. <laughs> yeah, again, twice. Like, this is the second time we've said your name, and you you know you're not gonna. You got shit on my part. Oh, you got the trivia this week. Yeah. You are gonna get live trivia? <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right, all right. Wow, okay. All right. Um, yeah, I, EKU, impressive. They're, I mean, this is this is a chance to kind of solidify that they are the, the team that we, that we you know, that we've been looking at all year. They've been um, putting up numbers. Of course, Parker McKinney has been doing what's, what's necessary. They've got the weapons. They, their defense has been um, not as dominant as they were last year, but they're here. They're winning games, and that's what matters. So, I, I – I think this is a – it's going to be an interesting matchup. Obviously, JSU is – JSU, <laughs> they've been dominant, as you said. They've basically taken care of business uh, against the other ace on opponents. They're sitting at the top of the standings for a reason. Um, somebody's got somebody's to knock them off to, to try to shake things up and try to make this these last couple of weeks interesting. So, I can't think of, uh, of another team that's just – got a, sh a better shot than EKU right now. That's a great point. If you want to win the conference, you got to beat Jacksonville State, the only undefeated team right now standing at 7-2. and two. Well, and I think it all comes down to the running game because if you can stop Jacksonville State, slow them up on the line of scrimmage, try to create some sort of balance on offense and defense because Jacksonville State has controlled the line of scrimmage in most of their games, and whenever they're rolling, they're punishing people down the field, blocking then they can do some play action pass, but they're they're going to be running the ball, and I just don't know if Eastern Kentucky can can handle that on the defensive line. But that's a good challenge for them. If you want to win, this is what you're going to have to do. You're going to have to first and foremost make them one dimensional, and that's to stop the rushing game of Jacksonville State. Because right now nobody's really been able to do that, especially in our in our conference, undefeated as we spoke about. And I just think the clashing styles on both both offenses is going to make this interesting. Styles make fights. Could be a lot of points in this game. But, I mean, again, I'm going to challenge somebody, and it's going to be this time the defensive line of Eastern Kentucky and trying to free up those linebackers and see if you can make some plays before the running game, whether it's quarterback, running back, fullback, it doesn't matter. Get to that running game before they get to the second level. And that, that I think that was the last game of the season last year when EKU and Jacksonville State wrapped things up. Um, I'm pretty sure that was the last game of the season that, that went to uh, the overtime game. That was a tough. That was a tough matchup for for. I mean, EKU ended up coming out on on top of that and, and double overtime, 39-31. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, we could be setting up for another exciting game like that. That just, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised. I, I don't think either one of these teams has a that much of an advantage over the over the other. I think it's gonna, like you were saying, Mike, it's gonna take all those. The the O line, the D line, those everybody's got to be on on point. But I I think that the matchup is a lot more even than 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 you know we might have thought about just looking at how dominant JSU has been. Like e, e, EKU is, they're a powerhouse. Yeah, I I a hundred percent agree with you. And I think Jacksonville State, when you look at the stats, they play some incredibly 
complimentary football. You look at their scoring offense, top 20 in the nation. You talked about the rushing offense there, Mike, top six in the nation. But something that really stands out to me, something that maybe flown under the radar this season, their passing defense, only allowing 183. That's 13th in the nation. And you have a stacked secondary, a guy like Yol Gowdy, I believe I'm saying that right, Gowdy. Five pass breakups. You know Stevante Tullis. He's been an ASUM player of the week several times, it feels like, at this point. And in your linebackers, Fred Perry, Deco Wilson, they have so many guys back there that can defend the pass. And that's another, again, we've talked so many times about the strength versus strength, and this is another one of those examples. EKU, they can put the ball in the air. Jacksonville State, they can deflect the ball out of the air. They might not intercept it, but they have shown the ability to cover up that back end, and they're going to get some coverage sacks there on Parker McKinney, or at least I think so. But this is going to be a tight game. This is one of those games where – you cannot take your eyes off the screen. The one, the next play that's going to be is going to be maybe a touchdown because both these teams can take it to the house in the split second. Well, and another thing that I think is interesting and might be overlooked in this matchup, a little off the, off the board here, but Eastern Kentucky's coming off a big win. They have momentum. They're looking to keep momentum. But coming off the bye week for Jacksonville State, they had the big win against Austin P. Yeah. What does that bye week do to them? Do they carry that on? Because that's kind of tough to – to play well and then kind of stop because sometimes you don't want to have that bye week when you're starting to hit your stride. So what does is, what is the bye week do to the Gamecocks? Are they able to continue that momentum? Because you know Eastern Kentucky probably going to be starting on off on the right foot. But how does that bye week affect Jacksonville State coming into this monster matchup? Appreciate you guys' breakdown of our A-Sun game of the week, EKU versus Jacksonville State. That brings us to our game within the game. And, guys, I'm going to go ahead and get this one started. I saved this for when we were talking about Central Arkansas and Stephen F. Austin because I think this is a huge part of the game. It's well known. The best bookends in the A-Sun on the defensive line, David Walker, number zero, and Logan Jessup. I actually don't know if he's number zero. Let me take that back. No lie. Well, it's – yeah, it's fact weird. check. Eric, yeah. that's what you're here for. <laughs> Independent fact checker. I got the trivia. <laughs> the Central Arkansas has the best bookends in the defensive line in the A-Sun. You're looking at David Walker and Logan Jessup. Seven and a half sacks for Walker, six and a half for Jessup. Both those guys are menaces on both sides of the offensive or the defensive line. Two offensive lines. And Stephen F. Austin, they're going to have to keep their quarterback, Trey Self, clean. 14 sacks given up so far this year. That's pretty good compared to where you're at around the nation. So the defensive line for Central Arkansas, look for Jessup or Walker. If they have a big day, I think Central Arkansas is going to walk away with a win. That is my game within the game. Mike, what do you got? Well, we kind of spoke about this already, and it's going to be more of a broad topic. But I want to see Kennesaw State secondary continue to roll. I want to see those interceptions creating havoc in the backfield. I want to see some gambles. I want to see some turnovers because I'm going to look at Kennesaw's secondary versus Austin Peay's passing game. And I mean, mainly their offense in general because they're pretty dynamic. But I want to see if that KSU secondary can continue to carry the mentality they have, the momentum that they've brought into this matchup was such a huge game last week, five interceptions. Because Austin Peay's scoring 35.1 points per game, throwing for about 250. But their dynamic offense versus Kennesaw State's secondary, because Kennesaw State's giving up 34.3 points a game, and that's right about the average Austin P, just at 35.1. So 
I think this game is in the, in the hands of the secondary because I believe in the defensive line of Kennesaw State and what they're about. It's can the Alice's secondary continue to hit their stride at the right moments, make those big plays, create those turnovers, and snatch another victory against Austin P. William. My game within the game is uh, I'm looking at the offensive line for EKU. Uh, I think it's going to be important about how they can uh, protect Parker McKinney. I mean, he's throwing over 300 yards per game. He's got over 20 touchdowns on the season. But he's only been sacked multiple times in two games. He had six sacks against uh, the game against Bowling Green, and then UCA got him twice last week. Other than that, he's either not been sacked or only go down, gone down once. But as a team, Jacksonville State is tied for the lead in our conference with 21 sacks on the season. So I think that that O-line for EKU – He's got to keep McKinney clean so he can do what he does and, and put up those numbers. And if, if JSU is able to get to him and disrupt things, I mean, we've seen him take those sacks and still be dominant, but that may be a, a factor that kind of throws him off a little bit. So I think that my game within the game is that O-line. Yeah, a couple of these games are going to be cited by how clean can the quarterback stay. Uh, I think that's a really good point there. All right, time for our A-Sun preview. William, men's basketball started in uh, upset city. I mean – it, is it just a city? Nation. Upset nation. I mean, at this point, you know, I, I, it's, I mean, it, the start has been uh, since Monday. We've already got three group of six uh, upsets. We had Stetson taking out Florida State on the road. We had FGCU taking out USC on the road. And then we had Bellarmine. It's not on the road because it's the Knights town beating Louisville. I mean, that was <laughs> that was the one. That, was, that, that game was uh, the energy. That they had because I mean it's, it's basically a home game. We run this there. city. Yeah, they, they they run that city. Yeah, yeah this, so the reigning champs doing champ things, um, doing that. So it's all I mean basketball season exciting and, and right now we're also in the midst of championship season as well. We handed out some trophies for I mean we already got cross country handed out, um, women's soccer trophies already handed out. Congratulations to FGCU for taking that one on the road, and you know this here Saturday we're about to hand out a men's soccer trophy. Yeah. We're in Nashville for Lipscomb and UCA for the second time, round two for the men's soccer championship. And this is the final weekend of a regular season weekend of volleyball. And then we'll be right back in Nashville next week to hand out a volleyball trophy. So it's it's that time of year where things are getting exciting. It's like Christmas early. You know, we get to hand out some trophies and basketball. And also women's basketball has started as well. I know we're excited about the upsets, but let's not forget about the women's basketball programs in this league because – they, they started on Monday as well, so we got an exciting slate of games coming up, non-conference action, so exciting time in the A-Sun. I'm just happy to not be traveling, so I'm <laughs> I'm sorry that you guys are in Nashville. Been there a couple of times, but I'm glad to be home, and we'll see you soon. Well, <laughs> well, it was a big weekend. Crossover season brings about a lot of incredible feats you see some championships you see some upsets cannot wait to see what is in store for the rest of the a sun seasons as we transition into winter but we got volleyball next week men's soccer today today so we will have another men's soccer champion after you are listening or watching this podcast with all the people they that watch this podcast, they watch this podcast exactly all right guys it's time it's trivia time but i believe we have a special guest trivia so we might have two is is, is am i reading this right Eric Hunt over there. You going That's what my, run, my rundown says, too, so we got to figure okay. that out. That's right. I got a good one. Okay, you got a good one. Well, you got to get on the mic. Please can't, step up. Can't just microphone. shout it. The people need to hear you 
Also introduce they need to yourself. See you. They, they need to they see, need you see you. Also. Yeah, there you go. They need to see you. You're gonna have to share Mike's mic. And you damaged the clipboard on your way in route to the mic. That's okay. Mike, no cheating on this one. Ladies and gentlemen, Eric Hunt. Eric Hunt. So we're closing in on November 14th, and I found a... Is that an important date? Pretty historical event happened on November 14th, and I want to really? see if you guys can figure this out. Two days away. So, uh, one, Ellis Island closes. Uh-huh. You know, Ellis Island, the gateway to America, <laughs> Statue of Liberty. It's a big deal. Uh -huh. We understand. Yeah. Big deal. Uh, number two, Sesame Street debuts. Okay. Okay. And number three, uh, the tragic plane crash of Marshall football team. Boy. Uh-huh. Turned dark. All that happened um, on November 14th? We're guessing which one happened on November 14th. Yeah, which one happened on November 14th? Well, th that's quite the array of answers. Um, I'm going to go with the happier one, which is Sesame Street debuted on November 14th. Because, listen, you know, they get into the studio. It's cold outside. That's my, that's my guess. See, I'm decisive. Yeah, I'm still trying to recover from the last one. I'm, I'm kind of sad <laughs> now. So. Okay. I hope it's not the last one. <laughs> Somebody might have to say the last one. Unfortunately, it's the penguin. William's over there stumped right now. Yeah, because I, I, I can't remember if the crash happened before the season started or if it was the last season and then the new season started and Matthew McConaughey had to coach the team. Because if it was the same season, then that crash would have been November. No, I was playing football. The season season's over in November. So if the crash happened, there would have been no movie about coaching the team. That's not how it happened, though. In the movie. Yeah, now we got to see if the movie is actual or truthful. Nah, they yeah. a lot about that. Well, it's not necessarily a lie, but, you know, some Hollywood well, was, fiction. The, could, the timing of it would have been a thing. Like, was it? I just, I don't remember the movie all that well. Yeah, no, I, I remember the, but I can't remember if it was like a whole new season when they got the new coach. Because a whole new team. So it could have been November, if that's the case. Because they would have been recovering when he took over the team. Yeah, because they practiced. They started the team. It could have been November. Is that what you're going with? What'd you go with? Sesame Street. <laughs> oh, you, yeah, you I picked that quick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you want to stay away from Ellis Island and, and the tragic plane crash? <laughs> oh, man. I'm the optimist. Yeah, you are. Uh, I want to talk about when something begins. That's fine with me. Mike, what do you got? You got something? <laughs> yeah, we have to cut all this out. This, this, this Ironically, is... I think I'm going to go the same direction. I think it's uh, the Marshall plane crash because if they timed it out in that time frame, then uh, the new coach had time to recruit, got everybody together, said this is what we're going to do, and we're going to recover from this. So I'm going to go in a different direction and say it's the Marshall plane crash on November 14th. I said a different direction. My direction, one direction. Mm. Well, is that what you're going with? Because you didn't pick it technically. Technically. No, but I laid it out. So then, mm. you know, I okay. gave him a, okay. if that's the answer, so I, I should just go the opposite way and be like, oh, I gave Mike the answer. No, I wanted you to answer because I was going to do the same thing as you, so I didn't lose ground. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's so you, you say you don't want to gain ground, 
You still want to lose? Well, I, I just don't want. Yeah, I mean, I got another. <laughs> I got another question after this. We got two of them. We yeah, now we're, we're definitely going with mine as well. We got this. two of them, so I knew we that need something a little less sad. Yeah, I I don't know. I have no idea. So I'm just gonna go with. All right, minus one for William. So <laughs> I'm going. Between me and you. I'm going. I'll go with Marshall. Wow. Locked in. <laughs> yeah, might as well. Mike locked in. So you, Eric has the chance to get a point here, which would be as oh, many as I have. With? Wait, if I get a point, then I get an extra date. Then you get a what? I got to pick another event in here, so that's four. You'd be tied with Jordan and be your first week. No, because one of us, because if it's Ellis Island, none of us guessed that. And if that's the correct answer, then you get the point. And you'd be True. tied that's with a, the host. That's good. But I just, I still want to throw a fourth one in there to, you know, throw no, a wrench at No, well, because now we know it's that the fourth one wouldn't be correct because you wouldn't have given us three answers without the correct answer in there. Or could I? <laughs> what, 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 what is this? What is this? This is what happens when you add a fourth member. Yeah, and he comes with these rules like, I gave you just, three just, false answers. None of them happened on November We're going to move on to the other trivia. I, give I us the correct. I just to see everyone's you know, walk through the, the answer. The answer is actually uh, Marshall. It is Marshall? Yes. I'm good at this, man. I, <laughs> you are good. I mean, you know, I had to. You see me? As he stands up. Wow. Uh, yeah. All right. I actually went with my first gut instinct that time. That's great. So follow me. I'm not ashamed the, of mine. To, to either glory or we just go. Not ashamed of mine. We're just going out mine. together, Mike. Like, like, like a plane. <laughs> you started it. Don't look at me like that. All right. Moving on to the other trivia question. You guys got that one right, so you get points for that. So now seven and four for you guys. I'm still at one, and that's that's fine with me. All right, Eric, you're going to guess on this one as well. Australia has the highest number of blank. A, venomous snakes. B, Tasmanian devils. Or C, flying foxes. Australia has the most of which of those three? Everything in Australia can kill you. All right, hang on. Time out. <laughs> is it is it the most between those three, or the, like the most? So it's for Australia. That's a good question. It's countries. the most of the sh- of the species of in the world, like in the in the country. So Australia has the most of this species in the in the world. Got it. Like if it were if it were flying foxes, Tasmanian devils, or venomous snakes, they have the most of one of those than any other country. I'm shocked that like six foot spiders isn't on this list because I thought they were famous for that. I'm sure there are, but I think that's probably just a fact, and I didn't want to put it in there and have it actually be a fact. And I think it's wrong. You know what I mean? So I I, I couldn't put you that. You mean you actually put the right answer in the in the? Yeah, I did. <laughs> <laughs> Any guesses? I got a guess, but it's too obvious. I feel like snakes is out because it's too obvious. Also. And to me, like snakes, is more like the, the Amazon. Okay. Good point. I'm I mean, I don't know if that's true, but I that sounds right. Before we have any collusion, I'm gonna pick C, flying foxes. Okay. Any reasoning? Just because <laughs> he just said before when any in, collusion. When in doubt, pick C. All right. That's how I got through high school. <laughs> we need an air for this. I mean, <laughs> you come in here, here when we're almost done with the season. It just, I mean, you know. Um, I, 
I'm, I'm pretty sure that the most venomous animals are in Australia. But I don't know if the amount of snakes puts them over the top. Is like the man-eating koalas or something? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know how Tasmanian devils gets in there either. They're not even, they're Tasmanian, not Australian. Hey, we don't use logic on this podcast. Well, Tasmania is a part of Australia. I might, I might have a little too much in there. But Are you talking about the country or the continent? The continent, Australia. It is mm. a state of Australia. Hey, yeah, so it's getting technical here. <laughs> is that how you cheated your way to try to get a point? No. You just found him out, Eric. Maybe. You just, he just was trying to – you saw that? That's pretty, pretty slick. Glass half full type of guy. <laughs> I'm desperate. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, t- I don't know. That's not that's not an option. <laughs> I'm 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 gonna go I'm gonna go with Mike Flying Fox. There are a lot of bats. I'm assuming okay. there are a lot of bats in Australia. <laughs> yep. Eric. Mm. She just probably went with snakes though. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna go A. Snakes. Are these locked in? Or he just got his point because he got his. Are these locked in? Snakes? Yeah. Foxes. Flying foxes. Flying foxes. I need verbal confirmation here, fellas. It's like courtroom. How many points did I get for, for, for the marshal, Eric? You got one. Half a point. What? Wait, wait, wait. No. <laughs> no, we can't already, let him come in and commission I, I, our point system. I've already moved to four. We're good. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've already got one. Yeah, way, Jordan, so Jordan said fine. you're up to seven. Yes. All right, we're locked in, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yes. Eric is now tied with me. <laughs> it is venomous snakes. The most was, obvious and clear one that, is the one that turned out to be true. That's why I wasn't answering. Well, because the last few weeks you guys have been you guys have been automatically dismissing one of the three because it's been too obvious. And now I wanted to like, okay, well, I'm gonna try and take advantage of that. And it worked the, unless Eric. If Eric, if you aren't here, you know I can I can give you that point because technically I, you know I talked them out of a. I'm not taking sympathy. Yeah. I should have went. Yeah, Eric's good. Yeah. Should have went with snakes. That was when I saw it. I'm like, I know. Overall, like everything off track, like, like watch so many shows about yeah, this could kill you, and you step on this ant and bite your foot off. Like so, I, but I was like, uh. Well, that is going to do it for the A-Sun Game Day podcast. Jordan Griffith, William Hall, Mike DeVader, Eric Hunt. Another enjoyable round of trivia right there toward the end. (laughs) Make sure to watch all the games this Saturday coming up in just a few hours. We'll see you next time out. Peace.